it is. Okay. Are we recording? We are. Yeah. I can see the line. I lines. have to trust you. I know. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Gig Tales, the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> this recording is. Recording from afar. From afar. This is our first remote recording. So Terry and I are practicing social distancing and mm-hmm. we are not together in the pod attic. I am here. No. I'm here with Tom and Tank has not joined us yet, but I'm sure he will. I'm sure, I'm he sure will. he's dealing with high level executive <laughs> wheelings and dealings related to his business. Yeah. In these times. Yeah. He's in meetings or something, um, <laughs> but I'm sure he'll come here. So yeah, we had our last, it was interesting because we, we had recorded cool. a few episodes um, right on the brink of all of this craziness that's happening. And it was interesting to listen to those come out over the last couple weeks and you know obviously this is gig tales so we're talking about funny gig stories and things like that and um before we just started recording here terry and i were talking about how that day that we recorded was like kind of the the turning point it for was us here, the day yeah. in the u.s anyway right in massachusetts we had we had had the state of emergency declared already and we were discussing oh man what's gonna happen and yeah. from the time i left ashley's house to the time i got home she texted me did you see all the <laughs> shit that happened and that's when they started closing restaurants closing small businesses mm-hmm. it within an hour the world turned upside down and yeah. The world turned upside down. (laughs) There's a song for everything. Um, So yeah, so it was it was weird because we weren't being irresponsible in our last few episodes. We had recorded them before before social distancing, before full on uh, coronavirus Mm -hmm. (laughs) lockdown. Um, So now we're we're back, but we um, we decided we don't want to deprive you poor people of this content that we know you so you so crave. So here we are. And um, we've gotten so much funnier during all this. Laughs. Yeah. Uh, it is not a funny time at my house, I would like to say. It is not <laughs> no? a time of... No. It's, and my jokes have been... So Sean and I, uh, we like to workshop jokes a lot together. And like when I'll write stories and stuff, we'll put stuff together. And I've been making some jokes and he's not laughing at them. He'll kind of go like, hey... And he has a dark sense of humor. My like my jokes have gotten very dark. Like, oh yeah, not not enjoyable dark. I don't <laughs> think they're jokes actually. <laughs> wow, not a not a time of humor over here, which is very unusual. So, uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm uh. sorry about that. Yeah, I think. No, I mean, I think. Uh, I think a lot of people are going through that. I don't see. I just did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to tell an anecdote and it's just like, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I mean, I think a lot of people, the tone has shifted and we're still trying. I'm still, we're trying to adjust, but it is, it's not the happiest of times. No, no, it's not. There's a lot going on. And I think, you know, everybody's going to deal with it differently. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's whatever, however you're dealing with it, it's okay. I think that's the, mm-hmm. my general thought is like, whatever, if you're panicking, you're mm-hmm. panicking. If you're you panic, know, yeah. panic away. Like if you're, mm-hmm. you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, whatever is going to come after this, then that's great too. But everyone's in a different cool. stage of the process and that's totally mm-hmm. fine wherever you are. Yeah. So if you scream into a Pringles can for three hours, <laughs> 
I feel like there's probably some producer who's used that as like a legit recording tactic for some weird reverb bullshit or something. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, recording artists using weird tactics, have you? Did you watch last night's Saturday Night Live at all? I know. No, I I forgot about it. Actually, I'll have to go back and watch it. it. Was, so talk about the art of remote recording. They did like a remote episode, and I think they did a really good job. Uh, I was very impressed. And some people like recorded some songs, like, you know, some parody songs and stuff. And I think it's really impressive to see how people are like making art and in this very, you know, like ad hoc way, putting stuff together and like Mm -hmm. even the do at home, they're all in their houses and doing at home costumes and stuff. It's really, it's, it's fun to watch. It's not, not the best episode ever, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really cool. I want to, I'll go back mm-hmm. and watch that. I, I had heard they were doing something, but I totally forgot. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of that. I mean, there's been, there was a, a country uh, music special that I thought was really good. It was just cool. It was all, you know, artists in their homes and, it was mm-hmm. just cool to hear everybody kind of like raw and in their see their houses and like in their elements and stuff. And there yeah, was a, there was a yeah. pop one hosted by Elton John that was cool to see like who kind of just sat there with like their you know computer camera or their phone camera and who like went all out and got like they clearly have like home studios where they're recording yeah. and like editing <laughs> and stuff, right? So it's just, it's fun. But there's also on the local level, there's been so many, I mean, yeah. I can't even keep up with all my friends doing like streaming concerts yes. and yeah. it's, which is, I mean, I think it's really cool, um, you know, that people are finding ways to put their, their art out there in, in these times. Mm. So Listen to those uh, streaming concerts for all you people who are like, oh, we always meant to come out and see you guys. Now you don't really have a excuse because you can <laughs> sit on your couch. an excuse now. <laughs> you just like open Instagram and at any point I can see like 13 of my friends all doing, you know, live streams at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, it's craziness. But yeah, Man, if, if if I hear one more person say in these uncertain times, I fuck. <laughs> I know right it's it's a lot Um, I'm over it so I don't have any I mean it's what's weird is like yeah I definitely I lost a few (laughs) gigs I usually don't gig a lot in the winter I go into hibernation and what can Mm -hmm. we call it and we were like just ready to come out and we had some awesome stuff planned and Um, instead we went into ultra hibernation (laughs) forest hibernation it's it's cool I mean you know it's fine and obviously we understand and we'll we'll get back Mm -hmm. to it when we can it'll be fine Um, yeah. but the last, I, I, we played that, that last gig with the cat pack, um, which was like, you know, two days before everything locked mm-hmm. down that we played. Yeah. That was, if I knew it would be the last time, the last gig I played would have been the last. <laughs> oh man. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of that kind of interesting feeling, but I didn't have any new gig tales to tell. So I was Mm -hmm. going through kind of like my vault of tales and I had a couple little anecdotal things, but then I don't know why I thought of this, um, kind of more historic gig story, but I came up with one. Okay. So you want, you want, you ready for it? Okay. So (laughs) you've taught me, you've taught me, you're the resident historian. I do. And you do such a, you're such a good storyteller every time. (laughs) 
telling the story of like, what now? Whereas I'm like, okay. And then like the guy, okay, but hold on. It's fun to be on the listening side. I think you it know, really we is, understand yeah. like, just like everyone listening out there and by everyone we yeah. mean, you know, Brent yeah. and Greg and Nate and Sarah and <laughs> whoever else. Sarah Barella, yeah, who yes. is definitely listening. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I put together a little historical uh, story. Um, okay, so our gig tale. Oh, yeah, this is gig tales. We talk about tales of gigs, stories from different from performances. Performances on the stage. And inside of the stage. And, uh, <laughs> you know, from on the stage to beyond the stage. So, the <laughs> God. So this is, this week we have on a medium now, <laughs> beyond the stage. Um, so this, this is an interesting stage. This was a, uh, the gig of a stage that was set up um, right on, right outside, right on death row, actually. It is the, it is the story of Johnny Cash playing at Folsom Prison. What uh, we're doing a little my, dance right now. I can see Terry. We're both. I know on, we keep forgetting that video. you can't see us. <laughs> um, my favorite. Oh, so a light, uh, positive story. The other day, one of the days this past week was like a really rough day. I think we were both just, you know, you, you have good days, you have bad days, and one particular day was a really bad one for me. And we looked at each other and said, "Do you want to watch Dewey Cox?" <laughs> It's so I'm good. telling you, it's just, it's a magic pill for me. And uh, yeah, both walk hard and walk the line. Like I walk the line is one of my favorites. I love it. I love the whole thing. And yeah, it's, I'm so excited. It's That's so it. good. That's I, a story. You know, actually I, that was, it was on last week, a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. And I caught like a piece of it and maybe that's what I forget. I forget when I even started putting this story together, but I did catch a, a piece of that movie not too long ago. It's so good. Oh my God. It is. John it's C. Really Riley. good. John C. Riley. Sponsor us. <laughs> John C. Riley. Sponsor us. Please. <laughs> please. We really need We're it done. now. All right. Any so, millionaire. <laughs> so <laughs> m- most people know uh, the famous story of Johnny Cash playing Folsom Prison. It was a recorded um, you can, you can find the recording. It was a co- recorded show. So my major, um, sources here were, um, an article from Rolling Stone that actually interviewed some of Johnny Cash's bandmates that had played with him and some people who were there that day. Um, an article from the Washington post and a post by John B on the Steve Hoffman music forums. Those are my major oh. um, sources here. I just want to put them up front so I don't forget. Um, so it was January 13th, 1968. Johnny Cash, wow. uh, yeah, and his band. So his band at the time was, they were called the Tennessee Three. Um, it was guitarist Luther Perkins, bassist Marshall Grant, and drummer W.S. Holland. Um, they had been with Johnny Cash for a really long time before and after this. Um, they actually did two shows that day at Folsom Prison, which if you live under a rock is a maximum security prison um, right outside of Sacramento. If you live in a, in a prison <laughs> and you don't know about other prisons. <laughs> True. If you live in a coronavirus lockdown isolation and you, <laughs> you don't have Wi-Fi, I'm sorry. Um, oh, yes, we, we are realizing how privileged we are to have the access to Can you to imagine everything. if this happened in 1987? No. Jeez. No, no, can't. 
Um, so yes. So maximum security prison. Um, yeah. So actually I I didn't know this, but Carl Perkins and the Statler brothers also played that day. So Johnny Cash and his band, they weren't, yeah, they weren't the only act. Um, and Johnny Cash had actually done a lot of prison concerts before that. And I guess he had been wanting to record. Yeah. He had been wanting to record one for a while, but his label, um, which I believe was Columbia didn't like the idea. They didn't want to record one. Um, but they finally agreed to record this one at this point because, um, some, some stories say that at this point, Johnny Cash was like really, um, into his drug use, his heavy drug use. And they, 68. Yeah. Yeah. Some people yeah. are say, say that like that it was really heavy and they couldn't get him to be to go like in the studio to do an album. So this was a way to get an album out of him and not oh, have boy. to like put him in the studio. But then other reports say that he was sober by the end of the 60s and then it was really early well, and mid 60s. So I don't really I don't know. Exactly. Well, I, I think Johnny Cash or from what I know about Johnny Cash, he never I think he had a couple of relapses in his life. Mm. So. I think it would be reasonable to think both things. Well, he had sobered up, but yeah. maybe he's relapsing. And I think even into his marriage with June Carter in the later years, I think he still sometimes like had relapses. So I, I think both are possible. Probably. I mean, yeah, the timeline is probably a little up and down. But I think yeah. I think he had just he and June had just gotten married. I think it was like that same mm-hmm. year. Um yeah. So some yeah, so some accounts say he was in a really rough spot. The label had recently threatened to drop him. He was addicted to pills and then he recently <laughs> contemplated suicide. So oh. Yeah, um but some of his other prison shows that were gigtail worthy that I just wanted to interject that happened before. Yes. So an early one um in Huntsville, Texas, or early early on, they <laughs> To an annual prison rodeo. <laughs> oh, and, oh, to be in prison in Texas. I, <laughs> in the 60s. So, uh, yeah, this year they wanted to add entertainment to their annual rodeo. So they um, hired Johnny Cash. And just as, a, as they were about to start playing, a freaking thunderstorm started. Because, you know, weather, outdoor gigs. Outdoor, outdoor gigs. There yeah, it is. Always. Um, so the guitarist, the, the guitarist amp shorted out. And um, Johnny Cash said the bassist bass came apart in the rain. <laughs> so what? He was playing a paper bass. Uh, I <laughs> I'm going to want, a fo- I'm writing that down. I want to follow up on that. It came yeah. apart. I know. Like, what does that mean? Unless it was made of paper. I don't know. Um, has to oh it was made of cotton candy <laughs> back then before they had yeah before um, they had metal <laughs> so I guess Johnny Cash just kept playing with his acoustic guitar and singing and the inmates loved it so that was a, a success um, and then wow. word quickly got around the prison circuit and uh, San Quentin asked him to play their New Year's show I guess and then he ended up doing that for several years in a row. He was like the annual, okay. he was like, you know, the cat pack plays Warp and Weft New Year's. It was like Johnny Cash at San Quentin. It was the cat pack he had of a, a prison, new, prison in the 60s. He had, he had a New Year's residency at San Quentin. Um, <laughs> and he actually, what's, what's, what's cool is he learned that Merle Haggard was actually in the front row for three of those shows while Merle, Hag- Merle Haggard was in San Quentin. Meryl, Meryl Haggard told him that years later, which is kind of cool. Yeah, interesting. 
Okay. Anyway, though. Okay. So Johnny Cash had never actually done hard time, even though like many people thought he was, he did. And he was like, you know, people thought he was some hardened criminal and he had done a couple like overnight stints, usually just to like sober in the drunk tank or something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just dry him out and let him go, whatever. Um, And then he pays the fee and he leaves pretty much never happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But he, he, um, you know, he had songs like Folsom prison blues, which was written and recorded Mm -hmm. way before the Folsom prison show It was actually released in 1955. So it had been out for Mm. quite some time. Um, But he really did. He was interested in prison life and um, accounts say that this started during his time in the air force in the fifties when he Hmm. saw um, the noir crime drama inside the walls of Folsom prison. So he saw this this movie and he became interested in prison life. All right. So yeah, he <laughs> like it's that thing where the think like, oh Johnny Cash, he's such a badass. He went in a bunch, so that's why he played at prison. Then it's like, no, he was watching a crime drama. It's like the bougiest reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. So a couple things from, uh, Marshall Grant, an interview with Marshall Grant, um, uh, Johnny Cash's bass player who played with him from 1954 till 1980. So, uh, a long time bandmate. What happened in 1980? <laughs> well, he says, so he says that, you know, John, Johnny Cash definitely, um, had a real connection to the inmates in prisons. He felt it was important that they go there and they, uh, perform for them. During this particular show at Folsom Prison, uh, the band stayed at the El Rancho Motel, which is <laughs> a couple miles away. And uh, Governor Ronald Reagan yes. was in town oh at the same time God. for a fundraiser. And he stopped by the motel to chat with John and the band while they were while they were there. Weird, right? I know. Um, the past is insane. <laughs> uh, another thing we're doing during this time, I don't know if you're doing it, but like we'll be watching shows like madman or some shit and they're like oh man i hate being inside we're like wait till 2020 babe <laughs> that's the whole way we're getting through this is just by, by going like wait till 2020 oh on that's the joke on everything they say i like that that that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness mm-hmm. well yeah so um yeah they brought june carter with them but they didn't bring the carter family because they felt there were too many females to have to look after in this uh this scenario we do need looking after. Um, right. In 1968, apparently. Um, when they thought like it was going to be some big thing when she came out on stage to sing Jackson with Johnny Cash and they thought, you know, they would hoot and holler and stuff. But they 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 said that they really didn't. The inmates were really respectful and they were fine. So that's good. Okay. No drama there. Um I guess so the band says that they kind of felt like prisoners when they walked in. They had to go through like two sets of gates and before the gates would close behind the bus and they could get out. Um, And I guess the prison was in an unusually heightened state, tense state, because a guard had just been taken hostage and by the inmates. And then the, (laughs) the inmates were like, they were being warned about this. Like they were told not to stand up during the show, like sit down and, yeah, so they were, it was, it was already like kind of tense when they arrived. Um, and yeah, so there was a makeshift stage that was set up in front of death row. That's where the stage was set up. And there were armed guards that walked around on ramps overlooking the audience in the stage with, you know, guns out and stuff like guns that. Guns pointed at them. Yeah. Holy shit. So it was, you know, an interesting climate for a, <laughs> a 
little concert a rock show at the time um, I love being at a concert where like if I clap at the wrong time I know I might get hypered I love <laughs> That's how your mom felt at your middle That's school. That's how my mom. <laughs> <laughs> at the middle school band show. Oh, speaking of my mom, time for a COVID-19 update. My mom, we gave her the passwords to my Netflix and Hulu so she could watch TV. And I keep getting notifications on my email that like you got a new, there was a new sign in from an Android phone device. So I texted her and I was like, hey, were you able to figure out how to use Netflix and Hulu on the TV? Because we bought her a Roku. And she's, she goes, yeah, well, I figured out how to get the app, but I don't know how to make capital letters on the, <laughs> the password, so I can't get in. So once I figure out how to do that, I'll be able to watch it on TV. So she's just been watching it on her phone. No. Yeah. Oh, sweet, sweet woman. That's it. Wow. I mean, can you, t- I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to ha- how to talk her through that one. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's so, I was like, well, there should be like an arrow. And she's like an arrow. I'm like, yeah, it'll be like kind of like a shift button, but it'll be like an arrow. And she, then she'll, she's like, oh, I don't know. I can just watch it on my phone. It's fine. But I, she did just tell me, I think it was last night. She's like, I finally figured it out. There was an arrow. I'm like, I know. <laughs> the arrow i'd been telling you to yeah that's the one <laughs> oh, no more no more email notifications oh my Someone's god account through an android device just you got it that's yeah. awesome i love that Whew. all right um so a uh, funny part of this gig tale uh <laughs> this is this is a good one marshall grant um he actually accidentally carried a gun into Folsom prison in his base <gasps> case oh don't you hate it when you forget God. to take the gun oh, out of Oh, that's why his base fell apart. It was made out of guns. <laughs> Maybe. So it, I, apparently it was a real unloaded gun that they used as part of a gag on stage. They would shoot it. It would smoke. Audiences loved it. It was like a thing they did. Yeah. But they so, didn't do it that time. No. But he just had it in his, you know, in his gig bag. You know, I'm sure. Right. So... I'm, I'm going to put a call out to musicians because I'm sure that there are some pretty good stories about like accidental things in your gear bags. And I, yeah. I for sure, I know that Ari has one about something being in her merch case that should not have been there, but I'm going to let her tell it at some point. Oh, yeah. Ari, please come back and tell us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that that's happened to people, but yeah, you're going into a prison and you bring a gun. Okay. So he realized it, like he got there, he remembered, and then he was like freaking out and he thought he was going to get arrested and never leave Folsom prison <laughs> himself. Um, so he That's like, how they get me. right. He quietly told a guard about it and they took him to explain it to the warden. And then like the warden took it and like they locked it up until the show was over and everything. But he was the poor guy I was like so scared. Terrified. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So- oh. <laughs> Imagine. Um- all the fucking things. I know. And your gig of all the things. Like if you could have had like a Chinese finger trap in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> Another kind of weapon. Very serious. Yeah. Very serious. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, okay, so the crowd energy has a lot to do with the success of the recordings of the show, is what people think. Um you know, a lot of people didn't think it was going to be super successful, the band and the label included. But 
um, a lot of that came from there was actually an, a, a, dis, a disc jockey uh, from L.A. named Hugh Cherry who emceed the show. Uh, and he was, you know, a famous kind of DJ voice or whatever. And he so he came out in his his introduction before Johnny Cash. He said, Johnny Cash is getting ready to come out. And when he come out, don't say nothing. Don't clap. Don't stand up. Just act like he's not there. He'll come up to the microphone and he'll say, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. And I want you to blow the roof off this building. Whatever noise you've ever made, let it be multiplied tenfold right here because you're going to be recorded. so it's interesting right because you picture a concert and like the artist starts walking on or like you know if you're at like a real show like the lights go that's when you start cheering yeah Yeah. so they told them to like hold it until he said his signature hello i'm johnny cash so it's like i mean you just think about like even if i'm not an inmate like i'm you're holding in all that excitement and then like you finally get the chance to like express yeah. it. I'm sure it was just like insane the energy in the room right there. Yeah. Or, you know, the energy on death row. Um <laughs> so and then of course they they kicked off the show with Folsom Prison Blues. So like the opening mm-hmm. guitar riff, and then it's just people went crazy. They extended it. Luther Perkins played two extra guitar solos in the song. It was just like <laughs> crazy. And the band says that after that that the audience they were in the palm of Johnny Cash's hand. Like it was just it was amazing. Um, Does he really do the thing with the water like Joaquin Phoenix did in the movie? <laughs> I don't, I didn't hear anything about that, but. I want to look that up. I know. Um, I did hear like. That the, was slick. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. They did. So they did do two shows um, just so they would have like some options for the recording. And I heard, uh, I read that the second show was a little more subdued. So most of what we hear in the recording and stuff is from the first mm. show. Yeah. Um, two separate like groups of inmates. I'm not sure I'm not sure actually Hmm. yeah it could have been different people I didn't yeah I didn't I didn't read that um so yeah the drummer uh W.S. Fluke Holland uh he was Johnny Cash's drummer from the 60s through the 90s he said uh, about the sound they didn't have monitors and they were just plugged into like the house system um and they really yeah which like what is the house system at a like I thought some of the like house prison? systems I've played on are pretty bad. Like Holy <laughs> just, shit. I know. I'm picturing like an intercom. Like Yeah, like that speaker, that old tiny speaker that looks like a megaphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Beatles at like Shea Stadium, right? We're just like plugged yeah. into the actual like ball field announcers yeah. shit with like all the echo. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, he says that they didn't even know what song was next until Johnny Cash started singing the song. So they would just start playing along by ear until they could tell what song it was. Like they would just keep, they were guessing. So apparently Johnny Cash. Sounds like that wedding Jared played it. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, that's crazy. Solo. See, Johnny Cash didn't like set lists. Just like, I don't like set lists apparently. So <laughs> they just were winging it and then they'd figure it out. Um, I found, yeah, some information on the gear that was used. So Tom and all the other gear heads out there will like this um it was mostly sure sm56 microphones which are now discontinued but it was essentially what we know as an sm57 on a swivel mount um and then in photos you can see the sure sh55 and uh university vocal horn that were patched together 
Um, and then I found some information from a, a guy named Bob Irwin, who's the founder of Sunday's Music. He remastered the um, recording of Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, like years and years mm-hmm. later, like recently. Um, and he says that the show was recorded originally to half inch four track. The engineers would run both an A and B machine overlapping with minimal processing. So like no EQ, no thing, no effects really going to tape. Um, they would, however, they'd put each channel through what he thinks from the sound was um, a bank of LA two A's, which is a leveling amplifier. So it kind of like warms up the sound which is what caused Johnny Cash's vocal to have like that crunchy kind of slightly distorted, like dirty quality, which is actually Mm -hmm. like a a really important part of the recording. And like what people love so much about it, it's very iconic, the sound of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says he, he's done a lot of work with Columbia, this uh, Bob Irwin. And he said that they didn't, they don't have a record of what they sent out to that gig, the gear that they sent out, but it was probably a small truck with some stuff. Um, they, Columbia recorded many uh, remote concerts more than any other major label, especially back at that time. So they were pretty good at it for the times, I guess. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a big live album era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that early on. Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. early on. So yeah. Um, another, so another interesting thing that happened was there was an inmate named Glenn Shirley and he wrote songs and he actually, he knew that the prison minister, Reverend Floyd Gessett, knew Johnny Cash. And that's actually, I believe, how Johnny Cash got into Folsom. Um, mm-hmm. So this inmate, he asked the the reverend if he would pass along some of his songs, some of his lyrics to Johnny Cash before the show. And the reverend no. did. Yeah. So um, there was a particular song called Greystone Chapel. And the reverend gave the lyrics to Johnny Cash the day before the show. And so at the motel, Cash and his band wrote some music, music to the song um, and they rehearsed the song. And Johnny Cash was like determined to play it the next day <gasps> and surprise the guy. Yeah. Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so I literally just got boost, boost gums. <laughs> boost gums. What the fuck is this quarantine doing to my brain? Is that like Bubba Gumps? <laughs> Stump. It's an appetizer. <laughs> shrimp. It's a delicacy. Uh, it is. I got. I got goosebumps listening to that. Like that's really baller. Right. It's a really baller thing to do. And like, he he just knew how to fucking get the audience on his side. Like, they need to know I'm on their side. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. To- I mean. Yeah. So it it's so cool that they didn't tell the guy. So it was totally a surprise for Glenn. Um, yeah. So they, but they made sure that he was sitting in the front row. So that's just, I know. Um, so after that, after the gig, Johnny Cash actually recorded the song and he got Glenn out of prison and he brought him on tour, but right. This is nuts. But the guy, I guess he was too scared to sing on stage and then he kind of went back to his bad behavior. He would get drunk. He'd get into fights off stage. Um, Marshall tried to get take him kind of under his wing, the bass player, to kind of show him the ropes of touring and how to follow an itinerary and show up and kind of yeah. how to behave. But he eventually, uh, the guy, Glenn, threatened to cut Marshall um, open and drain every drop of blood from his body. Cool. Yeah. Good. So that didn't go well. Good. 
Marshall mm. went to Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash was like, okay, um, you know, sorry, dude, we can't have you on tour and removed him from the tour. Um, he went on to work at a farm in California. He, and he eventually committed suicide. So, I know. Oh, jeez. I know. Such a sad oh. ending to that. Um, I know. There was so much potential. I was ready I for it. Then he became. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. you know, it's like it goes to show like you can't, someone else can't do it for you. Like, you know, you have to, you no. have to do it yourself if you're. You have to do it you yourself know. and you have to want to do it is a big part of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Johnny Cash taking you under his wing, writing a, your song performing it recording it taking you on tour like if that's you know that's can't save mm -hmm. you like you yeah it's sad but yeah so um yeah another another person who was there was jim marshall he was a rock and roll photographer he actually shot the beatles final performance in mm. 1966 and he said that there were actually 10,000 seats uh empty seats because no one knew it would be the last show but anyway, <laughs> that was just an interesting... At Candlestick Park, right? Uh, I'm not sure. 1966? Yeah. Probably. Um, I, got a, I got a little something coming up on that. All I don't right. want right. to spoilers, but... Uh... Maybe Jim Marshall will come back. All right. Jim Marshall, yeah. photographer. So he, he says that, um, yeah, Johnny Cash definitely wanted to bring awareness to the public of the condition of prisons, and that was one of the big things... Um, you know, for, for reasons for Johnny Cash being so involved. Um, Jim Marshall was actually on probation while he was, while they were at the Folsom prison show, he had been arrested for shooting someone the year before. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's intense, right? Um, what? so when he got there, um, another one, so he actually had something in his camera bag. He forgot that he had a few balls of hash in his camera bag. And he, when he got there and the second set of gates closed behind him, he was panicking and trying to hide it from the guards. Uh, so he, uh, <laughs> these people, and it's like, they didn't think about where they were. I don't know. No. So I know. And I guess another funny thing is he, his outfit, I guess when he arrived was very close to what the inmates wore. So he was wearing like khakis <laughs> or no, he, he was wearing, sorry, he was wearing jeans. He was wearing Levi's and yeah. they made him change into khakis because they said <laughs> that he would blend in too much with the inmates and he had to look different. I wonder, you know what I bet? I bet it's the kind of thing where you're like, all right, we're going to go play at the prison and you have this thing of what it's going to be in your mind, right? And like, just when you said the like second set of gates closed behind you, I bet once those gates closed behind you, it really sets in like, we are locked in a fucking prison. Mm -hmm. It's like a hostage situation here. Like this is serious. And then all of a sudden it starts like clicking together. Oh fuck. I have a gun in my bag. Oh fuck. I have a ton <laughs> of bag. Like yeah. you probably don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody, I think it was Jim Marshall said that, Johnny Cash made a comment when they were on the bus about how how permanent the sound of the gates closing behind them was. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're exactly mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, man. So yeah, so it was interesting. Um, that album went on to sell more than three million copies. It prompted Cash to um, later record more live albums. So he did uh, albums at San Quentin. Those albums had more a lot more production um, recorded on like mm. two eight tracks. So it was a full video crew and stuff. So a lot of people feel like nothing ever had the kind of rawness and realness that the Folsom Prison show um, had that makes it, you know, widely considered one of the greatest albums recorded. But 
Um, there yeah. are some things that are, you know, on video and some other stuff that you can find out there. And yeah, throughout kind of the rest of his life, Johnny Cash put a lot of work into prison reform. He spoke out. <gasps> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And in Washington, D.C. and did a lot of um, work for, for prison reform, really, wow. for a lot of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Later in his what? life, he switched to he he did a lot of um, work around autism awareness and things like that. But what? for yeah, <laughs> for a very long time, he was he was very much into prison reform. What? Do you know what made him get into that? I wasn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. No. no. I think tip. Not that this is always the case, but typically people who get into like autism awareness, they usually have like a child or something who's. Yeah. Um. So that seems just like I wonder what maybe a grandchild or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You tell us. We'll tell you. Yeah. If someone out there knows. Also, yeah. tell us if you smashed the glass of water like Joaquin Phoenix did. I want to. <laughs> I know I, I remember I didn't um, write it in my notes but there was an article that talked a little bit about like how the walk the line um, like what wasn't accurate or something like that so I think it was you know it's a little different uh, I think a, a lot of shit in that movie if you read I like to watch historical movies and then like read along with them yeah and timeline in walk the line is very off like the marriages and uh, like it's very off but i think like a lot of this stuff is also accurate but his daughter um his daughter from his first marriage what's her name i forget her name but she she like heavily refutes a lot of stuff in that movie and claims like june carter wasn't as like um passive in the relationship yeah she seemed to be and like she was like oh no he came after my dad and like in front of all of us was like I'm gonna have your husband she said that to my mom or something wow. so like, that that's what she said about it huh. but, yeah interesting yeah okay. the world may never know <laughs> it won't and that's the crazy thing I think the article I was reading read we'll never know because all these people are dead so we'll mm -hmm. We really will never know. Nope. It's just like a daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also kid. I mean, I don't know how old she was and everything was happening, but like kids remember things differently. And I know I have tons mm -hmm. of things that like mm -hmm. I think are memories, but they're not. They're just mm -hmm. like people told me that that happened and it's mm -hmm. like I'm remembering someone else's memory. So and sometimes like a parent tells you something and the power of a parent telling you something when you're young. Yeah. Like embeds a memory so mm -hmm. like she could have been told something by a parent and thought it yeah it's yeah. like there's so many possibilities of what really happened but she she wasn't really on board with that um his oldest daughter I believe was not on board with the movie walk the line mm. Interesting. look it up you tell us we'll yeah. tell you yeah so yeah that is the uh those are the highlights from Johnny Cash of Folsom Prison 1968 very nice oh I love it yeah. What a weirdo. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's um it's definitely it was interesting. I think I just didn't realize how many people would forget to take shit out of their gear bags, you know? That's just uh, that an is, interesting piece. <laughs> that is pretty bomb. Uh, crazy. Speaking of bombs, <laughs> speaking uh, of shouldn't put in your gear bag. Yeah. Uh, so what are you listening to? What's what <sighs> things you're listening to during this whole mess I know I'm like I'm having a um it's so weird because my normal you know routine is all disrupted and as everyone's is probably 
So my normal times that I like listen to music or listen to podcasts are like totally not there, you know, like commuting time and stuff like that. And just uh, got anything. I don't know. So I feel like I'm all over the place between like Netflix and podcasts and music and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. I did have a, uh, a friend of, of mine um, and Tom's. Her name is Jenna Lottie. She released a new song recently called My Fault. Um, she So she used to live out here around us and Tom played drums with her um, a few times, a few gigs. And I sang backups for her a couple times. And um, yeah, she's got a lot of really cool original stuff. It's like um, she's gone very uh, in like a really cool kind of new like pop direction um she and her husband Mm. moved out to la god i don't even know how long ago now probably a couple years and um yeah they're still making some awesome music out there jenna and chris um yeah so she released a new song like i said it's called my fault so check that out and also um my favorite show songland is coming back yes i'm so excited um (laughs) I know it's actually yeah coming back this this week and she's she's actually on this season of Songland Jenna so yeah how cool is that I know I was so excited yeah I was really excited for her because she's great so they they already must have recorded yeah I okay yeah they already filmed um I'm pretty sure the whole season is already filmed but it's coming it's airing back this week so definitely check out Songland I don't know what episode she's going to be on and Obviously, she doesn't, you know, can't reveal any of the details or anything, but um, she's awesome. She's a, a, a great singer, great writer, and she's just a really, she's a really good person as well. She and her husband both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy for them. They really, she, she deserves it. So. Is she, is she making a living out there as a singer songwriter? I believe so. I believe that's, wow. yeah, her, her thing. So yeah, Jenna Lottie, check her out. I'm obsessed with that. Whenever anyone comes on and they're like, yep, this is what I do. This is my job. And I pay the bills and own a house. I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. That's my going to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, yeah, I did it at one point. It's really hard work. So I really respect those people. And right now those folks are having a really hard time. So I feel for them and, you know, among other yeah. people in different professions and things, but yeah, this is really hard for artists and those who are self-employed. Yeah. So if you if you have the means, if you can, you know, donate. A lot of those folks are doing like um, Venmo links and stuff on their live streams and whatever. So if you have the means, definitely help an artist out. <laughs> help whoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, you, I'm not gonna say anything because I could get into a really dark hole right now. <laughs> so what are you listening to, Terry? What's taking you out of your hole? Right now, I'm listening to my dog's bark. <laughs> I'm wondering if you can hear that. I can't. I can. So our okay. listeners can probably hear that. So I'm going to give it a That's, second. Those are Hancock and Franklin. They, they are our prison inmates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're good boys. I, I'm doing the post like they are. They're such good boys. They just love to bark. It's their. That's what they do. It's their breed. And... They're fine. They're good. They're good. Other they than are. your dogs barking, what are you listening to? <laughs> I just had to make sure we were on the end of that wave. Um, so someone I wasn't really interested in, um, but who actually died of coronavirus oh, no. this I know this past week um was John Prine. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so I had never really been that into him, but, um, you know, I saw that he had passed and, um, some friends of mine were doing like a song challenge kind of thing. And one of the days is like, um, so it's like day one, post a song with a color in the title, post uh, day two, post a song with a number in the title. So it's like all these different kind of things. And one of the days was like, post a song from an artist who is now deceased. Mm. And I, I think a couple people posted something from John Prine and I've been, that's actually something that's been getting me through this whole thing is that playlist because everyone's contributing to the song of the day and it's giving me stuff to listen to that I'd never listened to. And so, um, I put him on and I thought it was so beautiful. And he's like, I, I guess I'd describe him as like Americana kind of. Yeah. Grateful. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Um, I mean, like a like very uh, singer songwriter. His songwriting is really, yeah. I think a lot of his songs, like, you know, we do uh, Angel from Montgomery, which is like hugely known for its covers. You know, Bonnie Raitt does a, famous cover of it susan tedeschi is does my favorite version of it but a lot right. of times people know the the covers or the kind of the remakes and don't even necessarily realize that they're john prine songs so so yeah. one of the days upcoming is uh like name a song that you heard the cover before you heard the original ah, so there you go and see if maybe i did know a john prine maybe. song and I'm like I never knew it i really he just was not in my yeah he just wasn't in my catalog and mm. I'm so glad that gosh I'm not glad he passed I don't want to um put that I don't want to put that out there but I'm so glad that he did get brought into my consciousness it just wasn't something I was aware of mm-hmm. mm. I love it yeah That's it. cool cool I a lot of um friends who are doing live streams and stuff last week were covering a lot of his songs or doing tributes and things too so yeah there's yeah. lots of John Prine going out going on and Jackson Brown got it, but I believe he oh. recovered. I, when I saw that headline, I was like, "Ah, oh, get me the fucking Pringles can! <laughs> Hand me the can! Give me the can!" Oh no! No, but I believe he, uh, if he recovered, he's he's out of the woods. Oh God! Thank thank God! It's insane. I'm gonna have to add Pringles to my Instacart order now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a man on the inside for Pringles. I'm not going to lie to you. We're trying to get more Pringles. (laughs) Sponsor us. Pringles. Sponsor us. (laughs) Not even like, not the company that makes Pringles. I want the guy who's on the can with the big cartoon mustache (laughs) to sponsor us personally (laughs) from his cartoon bank account. Yeah. Is he also the Monopoly man? Is that the same person? They might be related. They might be. And maybe, (laughs) I don't, yeah. If they're not blood related, they're at least like brothers in law. Yeah, sure. They mm-hmm. definitely spent a lot of time hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching the episode of Friends um, was on the other night where um, Joey and Chandler, like <laughs> Joey's like, I think it's Joey is like, do you ever notice Captain Crunch's eyebrows are actually on his hat? <laughs> Chandler's like, that's what you noticed? The man's been captain of a cereal for how many years? <laughs> oh, man. I need HBO oh. Max to come out immediately. because I, I know. Yeah. I know. It was supposed to come out, I think, in May. And now I don't know if that's delayed or whatever. But I feel like they should move it up and they should just make it free for everyone because of Rona. You know? It's like... So, so it, 
HBO is free now. Did oh, you hear that? I did hear that. We ha- we have it anyway, so it didn't really affect yeah. us. But I did hear that that was going to happen. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, yeah they're like they're. Re- I know they're even releasing. Um, like they released the new Trolls movie, which I really want to watch because. Sick. Oh my god, she <laughs> she's gone. Terry's gone. She <laughs> slammed down her her headphones and she ran off screen. <laughs> sarcasm uh, I keep, keep forgetting fancy oh my god so well justin timberlake is like the executive music producer for the movie and the, oh. the music is just like usually is so good i love the first one so but they were supposed to release it like to theaters and they released it directly just to to rent on demand and stuff like that so what about cool. mulan because mulan was supposed to come out and then it like abruptly got canceled yeah i don't know i wonder if they'll because i think pixar didn't they release onward as well that was another one that was supposed to go out so yeah i think we might see some more of that which i think is cool i mean yeah they're doing what they know yeah so i really want friends though if you could get me that hbo max with the friends (laughs) sponsor us (laughs) yes definitely and i'm gonna trash talk your company until you do that's how it works right we trash talk you and then you give us money and then we're nice like you actually you pay us to be nice is that how yeah we don't know how sponsorships work we're clearly it's it's ransom (laughs) oh i get it got it okay we're going to talk shit about you until you pay us. So John C. Riley and the Pringles, the Pringles <laughs> man. John C. Riley. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Here we are. This is, here we are. There, here we aren't also. Yeah. Yep. You know. This is Gig Tales in the times of Corona. Um, so I would say, I mean, your sign off now, Terry. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to oh, work. Oh, God. I'm going to have to think of a new one to think about it, but we still can say, if you like what you heard, tell a friend. And if you didn't like what you heard, tell an enemy. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Keep screaming into a Pringles can. (laughs) That should stay. Oh.